in order to effect a timely halt to deteriorating conditions and to ensure the common good, a state of emergency is declared for these territories by decree of Lord Cutler Beckett, duly appointed representative of His Majesty the King. By decree, according to martial law, the following statutes are temporarily amended. Right to assembly, suspended. Right to habeas corpus, suspended. Right to legal counsel, suspended. Right to verdict by a jury of peers, suspended. By decree, all persons found guilty of piracy, or aiding a person convicted of piracy, or associating with a person convicted of piracy, shall be sentenced to hang by the neck until dead. point of that clip was just to show you what peace really is. As you can see in the clip, all of them getting ready to get hanged, all of them about to die. But in the midst of they're facing their death directly in the face, they still have the peace and the assurance to sing and be content and be calm about it. And so now in that clip, all of them was pirates, all of them was criminals. And so that's a kind of a bad example, but as Christians, that should really speak to us because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, giving us the peace that passes all understanding. And so we should be really, all of us should be like that little boy 
inspiring peace through every, to everyone all around us, even in the face of adversity. Now, question time. Well, first of all, let's go through this definition of peace, right? Peace, an inner sense, a sense of inner calm and quietness, even in the face of adversity, based on one's trust in God, all right? So basically, we trust God that he is going to keep us and protect us, so we have that peace that nothing really bad is going to happen to us, all right? And because of this peace, we can have unity among each other, because what is the opposite of peace? War, right? Discomfort. And so when we have peace, we can have unity between each other because there's no conflict, there's no strife between us because there's peace. And so God calls us to be unified as one body, as Christians. And so that's why peace is important, and that's why it goes hand in hand with unity. And unity is a state of being undivided or oneness, all right? Now, have any of y'all ever gone through something really bad like a boyfriend and girlfriend break up with y'all or anything? Anybody want to raise their hands and classify to that? Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway, um, or like your friend, you and your friend have a disagreement or something like that and y'all just can't, y'all don't want to talk to each other. Y'all give your friends a silent treatment. Y'all ever been through that before? Yep. All right. Thank you. Have a witness. Amen. <laughs> All right. But whenever, whenever somebody does something wrong to you, whenever somebody does something um, bad to you, you think it feel bad to you, don't you feel the need to want to get back at them? Don't you feel the need to not either not talk to them or try to do something worse to get them back and just, y'all just want to be not a part of them, not have nothing to do with them, right? That's what y'all want to feel, y'all feel right, right? But if we focus on really the meaning of peace, we'll realize that, hey, this conflict between us isn't really contributing to the unity we're supposed to have as either friends or as Christians, all right? So I'll go... The reason why, yeah, the reason why this is so important to us as Christians is because God calls us to have unity and to have peace. But as we all know, we're humans, right? We all have different beliefs. We believe different things. Some people like Kobe. Some people like LeBron. Oh, my boy, sleeping bug. They look like, they look like, <laughs> they like D Rose. But anyway, but some people like Kobe. Some people like LeBron. Everybody has different. Everybody, everybody's on the same page. We all believe and think different things. But. Is that a reason to not like somebody? Is that a reason not to be with them, not to show community and unity in them? So let's go to the first slide. Well, yeah. Peace brings unity. <laughs> and the first verse we have for that is not Luke 10, 27. That is just there, because if you have your books, you'll see that. But Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, all right? I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy to the calling which you have been called. That is, being a Christian, Christianity. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, the reason why, first of all, let me let's talk about this passage right here. Now, in Ephesians, Ephesians, they are, these, are, these are a group of people, all right? This is a church in the place called Ephesus, all right? Now, something interesting about this is that when, when a Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the people at that church, he wrote this letter to the people, addressing it to the people, and then he sent it to somebody, whoever was at that church, and then whoever was at that church read the letter and told everybody what he wrote in the letter. So if you think about it, what we're doing right now is exactly what, what was happening when this verse was read for the first time ever in history. So that's kind of cool when you think about it because we're just reading the letter that Paul wrote to us that 
God giving the message and we just reading what he had for us to, to hear. So that's pretty cool when you think about it, all right? But anyway, going to the passage. What does it mean to be eager to maintain? Now, y'all know what eager mean, right? Like, give me something you are eager about or excited about. Y'all want really, really bad. Like, anything? PS4, yeah, PS4, anybody else? Car, shoes, clothes, all that kind of stuff, right? All right. And so, yeah, think about all these things that you are eager about, you are excited about, you want really, really bad, right? This is exactly that same feeling that you're feeling about all those things is exactly what you are to be feeling when it comes to showing, having peace between your uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and everybody around you, all right? That same feeling you get when you want that PS4, you want that car, you want that everything, that same feeling is how you should be feeling when you have a conflict between somebody and you need to get that done. It's a priority. You feel like you want, you need it. You have to have it, all right? That's what, how we should be feeling as Christians when it comes to unity, all right? But now, as we go on in the verse, it says, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so, from that we can clearly see that we have to maintain unity within peace. So we can't have unity without peace because, like I said, conflict. You can't be one with somebody if you don't agree with them, if you don't like them, or you don't want to talk to them. That's just impossible, all right? So, and it's important to think about this because I know when we, whenever we're going through all these problems or whatever, all these um, difficulties between people, we just be like, we, we, we want to tend to say, oh, I can do my own thing. Let me do me. Let me do me, right? Everybody could identify with that, right? At least, at least once. You're going through something and you say, oh, I have a problem with somebody. Oh, I ain't care. I, I can do me. They ain't got to, I ain't got to worry about them. I can do me. I'm a strong, independent black woman. I can do whatever I want, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but as Christians, we are to show love. We can't be harboring all that resentment and, and uh, hate towards somebody because they, you feel like they did you something wrong or they think you did something wrong. You can't, as Christians, we're supposed to be above that. We're supposed to show love and go beyond that and go the extra mile to show unity and bring peace to the whole situation. All right? Now, um, y'all ever, when was the last hurricane y'all ever experienced? Any of y'all? Sandy? Really? That was the, re- that was the most recent one? Really? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. That's why you're asking, yo. <laughs> but anyway, if, if you've been in a hurricane, if you've been in a hurricane, you'll know that there is the outside of the hurricane, all the, the wind and all the gushes and all that stuff, 125 miles per hour winds, all that stuff, tearing everything apart, all that chaos going around you. And then there's the eye. Now, you all know what happens in the eye. If you all have been in a hurricane, you should know. Exactly. Calmness. It's complete and total serenity. It's like the hurricane is not even there. It's just like a regular day. All right? And as Christians, we are supposed to be that eye. We're supposed to be like the eye of the hurricane. All of that stuff is happening all around us. All this chaos around us, all this strife, all this upset. We're supposed to be the ones bringing peace to the situation. In, the, in a world full of murders, murder counts, extremely high in this country, we're going to talk about that, and everybody getting robbed, steal, all that kind of stuff, we're supposed to be the ones bringing peace and having the peace in all of this. And so we're supposed to be like that eye of the hurricane, 
having peace and all the calamity around us, all right? Now, when a mountain climber, since we're still talking about tethered, not hurricaned, tethered, talking about rock climbing, let go back to the topic. When a mountain climber reaches the top of the mountain, he experiences great peace, but the climb is not without its challenges. When believers are connected to God, the Holy Spirit gives peace, and when the relationship challenges come their way, it is important that believers keep the peace. Why is it so important to keep the peace? The answer is found in the Word of God, because that's how he speaks to us, all right? Now, in Luke 10, 27, can somebody please look that up actually, please? Luke 10, 27. Anybody? Y'all have your phones and things, man. Y'all get in front, okay? <laughs> Anybody? Luke 10, 27. Okay. Everybody listen to Jody, our anchor of the news. We're listening. All right, so it's very clear in that chapter. The answer of how do we keep the peace is found in God's word. Love the Lord your God, all right? One day, some, yeah, this is in that story, somebody asked Jesus, how, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus answered, love the, liver, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, all right? Now, one way of showing the love of God is by keeping the peace and promoting that within the church all around us, all right? So, how do we show love for God? And why do we show love for God? I mean, how do we, how do we keep the peace? Why do we keep the peace, sorry? It's because it is a demonstration of our love towards God, all right? And he commands us to love him. We should love him because he saved us from death for all eternity, all right? And the second part of that is love your neighbors as yourself. Love others. That is also within that same command. And so that is how we start the process of keeping the peace. That's how we, when we first start, start thinking about how do I make this situation peaceful, we must first think about God. What has God done for me and what has he got done for everybody throughout history? And then we must love others the same way we love ourselves. All right? And so... Bringing peace may have, yeah, bringing peace may have to occur in the home with your parents. Bringing peace may have to occur in the home with your parents. All right? So, if your parents ask you to do this show and say, you ask your parents if you could go out to Marina on Saturday and they'd be like, first, you gotta clean this, wash that, do that, right? And you'd be like, Mom, for real, I gotta do that? He's like, yeah, you'll do it. And you, bam, bam, slum, bam, bam, do it dead fast, not properly, you don't even pay attention to it, and ain't done properly. Why did you do it? What is the point? Did you do it just to get over with? Or are you doing it because you love your parents and you want to obey them? All right? And so, bringing peace may have to occur in the home and at school with your teacher. I know, I know. I went through the same thing. Don't worry about it. Actually, the same thing happened to me last week, so I completely understand, all right? As hard as it may be, that's what God calls us to be as Christians. And it may even occur with another member of the church or even your friends at school, all right? When this time of conflict happens, 
It's important to know how to react and how to respond with love. So, for instance, that same home situation, what should you do? Oh, I'm not just doing this just so I could go out with Marina. I'm doing this because my parents asked me and I love them and I want to obey them and show respect for them. So I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm not going to do it just so I can get out. That's how we show love at home. At school, when your teacher gives you that bad grade and you think you get better, you don't freak your head off and go to the principal and say, I can call my mommy. See my number right now. I mean, we got that. I can write that down. I can call my mommy for you. No, not all that. But anyway, but yeah, don't freak out. Don't cause a scene because I know a lot of people who did that in the past, and it's kind of embarrassing to be frank. So if you want to keep your own reputation, don't do that. But anyway, it's also important to, as a Christian as well. Do not freak out, not cause a conflict. Keep the peace, stay calm, and accept about it. And pray about it because he will give you peace inside yourself, and then you can then show that peace outwards. And even at church, let's say you decide that you want to go and sing in the choir and somebody of some leader, let's say Pastor Nick and see you in here. <laughs> uh, let's say Pastor Nick see you outside cussing, carrying on, drinking, smoking, all the foolishness and drunk as nobody knows what and then he sees you and say, oh, you must be an example. I can't have you singing in the choir and be an example. And he asks you to leave the choir and all of a sudden, your parents, for instance, let's give you an example, your parents start to spread rumors and say, oh, this man, he ain't know what he's doing. He just, oh, he, he ain't know what he's doing. He can get my child like, why? He must be serving the Lord. Are you, you ain't going to serve the Lord like that? No, all right? And then what are you going to do? That's your parents now. That's kind of a difficult situation when you think about it. Your parents, the one who's supposed to be over you, the ones who's supposed to be guiding you in your life walk or whatever, is part of the problem. What do you do as a humble teenager? What do you do? You're supposed to keep the peace. You're a believer. And so even in situations like that, it gets kind of tricky and it gets kind of tough. Just like in that video. You see how old that little boy was? That little boy who started getting everybody's spirits up? He was young and all. He was probably like 9 or 10. But at the same time, he realized the situation and he realized that it's not going to benefit anybody to be upset and freak out about it. We just keep, keep the peace and realize that everything is going to work out for our good, all right? And also, you have to remember, just because we're young, we can't, doesn't mean we can't make a difference. Don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth, all right? And Timothy, all right? Ooh. Peacemakers must be forgiving. Now, this is the hard part because, like I said, if whenever somebody does something bad to you, you feel like you should hold that grudge forever and never talk to them again unless they apologize to your face and say, and write a letter out and Go to the church and confess all these sins with you, to you would ever know. But we must be forgiving, and that is hard as well, because if they do something really bad, we don't want to forgive them, all right? And so, let's look at Luke 6.37. Now, before I read this verse, I just want to make something really clear. This verse is kind of tricky, because this verse is actually... One of, is the, almost the cause of almost a lot of the problems that's in the church today. People always misread this wrong and they say, oh, that's not true. It's supposed to be this. It's supposed to be this. So I just want to be clear about that before I get into it and explain it. 
So let's get into it. Luke 6, 37 to 38. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, what people always say about this verse is, Oh, only God can judge me. I can. See, it says judge not. See, I'm supposed to judge. And they forget the rest of the verse. But it's not saying that it's wrong to judge. It's not saying that it's bad to judge. That's impossible. We're humans. As, as every, we do, we judge things, everything in our lives. That's how we make decisions. We see something, make a judgment, and then we move, take the appropriate course of action. All right? So it's not saying that it's bad to judge or it's bad to, or it's wrong. It's simply saying that whatever you do toward the person, whatever you do toward is going to be given back to you. So basically, if you go and judge somebody and accuse them of doing such and such a thing, and you have the exact same problem, who really is in the real wrong? All right? You can't go to somebody and have the same problem and expect to be a considered a proper judge of the situation. That's like getting a criminal to sit on the stand and be the judge. Does that make any sense? Of course he'll give everybody all the criminals a pass because he's a criminal too, he understand. But anyway, so yeah, that's all it's simply saying. Whatever is given to you, it'll be given back to you, all right? So when it comes to judging each other and judging and judging each other in these situations, and it's important that we do this because this is how we keep the peace. We need to do this out of love, all right? That is the most important part of the entire message of this verse. Whatever you do is given back to you, but we have to, have to do it out of love because we can't just go pointing fingers just out of spite, out of judgment, because what is that doing? That's creating more conflict. That's not peace. That's the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing as believers, all right? And so we are supposed to be doing these things in love and make sure that we have the person's best interests at heart. Make sure we actually care about what the person is doing and we actually think that it's going to cause them problems and so we're going to help them, all right? Now, essentially, the whole point Paul is actually driving here is forgiveness, all right? Now, forgiveness, yeah. forgiveness needs to be practiced, all right? Forgiveness is something that must be practiced before it can be preached, all right? And so the same situation as with the judging thing. We can't go expecting to forgive, expecting people to forgive us if we have all these problems behind us that, oh, we won't forgive them, but you need to forgive me. It doesn't work like that because you have to show forgiveness in order for you to be forgiven because we're supposed to be having peace and being the force of peace, all right? Now, whenever we have all these problems around us, and let's say we're having a problem with our friend or whatever, or we do something, we feel like we do something wrong, and all these things start to cloud our judgment, all right? We start to feel guilty because of what we did. We start to feel shameful because, oh, I just think I do that to him. I, I, he walking past me, let me go look at my phone and walk, walk past him. That, that's how we, don't we do that? Don't, whenever somebody does something wrong with us, we try to ignore them. We try to go around them. Because we're ashamed. We're ashamed of what we did and we don't want them to see us. All right? And conviction. And one of them, after all them days of harboring that behind you and harboring that inside you, you say, Mother Sickly, I really 
it damn bad, but I ain't gonna do nothing about it because I shame and I guilty. So I ain't gonna do nothing about it. And so, like we were saying in this whole, this is this is what actually what Satan does to plant doubt in our minds. All right, now it's it's very tricky about this because the second we allow this doubt to feed and that that doubt to fester, we start to feel all these things. We start to feel like. Nothing, all this is worthless, all this is pointless, and we shouldn't be doing anything because we're just so guilty and shameful and full of conviction. And so it's important that we practice forgiveness in order to give. We practice forgiveness in order to be forgiven because as Christians, we're supposed to show unity, and by us not showing unity and love, it's actually a direct disobeying of the command, and we're not showing love at all, all right? And so, that brings us to our next point. Forgiveness brings freedom, right? Now, peace is evident when you are right with God because you are free from sin, all right? Now, this is actually an answer to a lot of the questions that people ask about, oh, am I doing the right thing? And you ever, you ever wondered, like, you have a a question or uh, some type of task you have ahead of you. And you pray and you be like, oh, God, please help me with this. Oh, I don't know what to do. I feel like, God, you ain't talking to me. What happened? I read your Bible. I pray and I ain't nothing happening, right? Well, this peace that the Holy Spirit gives us is actually one of the huge answers to whatever you're worrying about. See, the Holy Spirit, whenever we're having problems, that's what peace comes into play. We're having a problem. We have a decision to make. God gives us, whenever we make, have a decision and we choose something, if it's what God wants us to do, he'll give us peace about it. He'll give us the calmness, the reassurance. He'll to make us, help us to know that this is what he wants us to do. And so that's how God answers a lot of prayers. He gives you that peace and that reassurance to know what you're doing is what I want you to do. Go forth and do it. All right? Now, have you ever been asked to intervene between friends who are having an argument, like to help somebody or whatever? And it can be very difficult to bring peace to them if you are struggling with the same issue with your friend. All right? So basically, that's just saying, oh, let me, oh, this is, this is a serious problem. Let me try to help you. And they're saying all these things, and they sound familiar to you because the same thing happened to you, and you just lost words because why? You're going through the same thing. And so how can you be a peacemaker? How can you show forgiveness and show peace in that situation if you don't have that yourself, all right? So that's why it's important that we pay attention to all the problems that we have and making sure that all of these things get sorted out and we have peace between all of our brothers and sisters, all right? Now, the next point. Peace, a peacemaker must... Be encouraging, all right? Now, the verse here is Romans 12, 8. Yeah. The one who exhorts in his exhortation is the one, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Love be genuine, abhor evil, and hold fast to good. All right? So, this is, this is important because when we have peace, yes, everything's fine and dandy. That's cool. Everything's straight. We have peace. 
happy in La La Land, going about our business, all right? But what happens in the second something, let's say something small happens, somebody you thought you was cool with, uh, say something that might have offended you, and you'd be like, boy, I thought he was cool with me, boy. What happened? Why you say something bothering me? And your whole world starts to come about. Oh, he must hate me for real. He probably was just faking. He's a faker. All these friends fake. No new friends. No love foolishness, right? But that's exactly what Satan does. That's that doubt again, applying that down our minds. And so as peacemakers and as Christians, it's important that we encourage each other because encouragement is the glue that holds that peace together. And so if you're not constantly encouraging and uplifting every, uh, the people who are around you, the second, the second you do something wrong, they can start doubting. They can start, oh, he fake. Ain't nothing good about him. So that's why it's important to encourage others as well. Also, whenever, let's say, somebody who you thought didn't like you, all right? You think they hate you. They never look, talk to you, never look at you, don't even give you no attention, all right? And they come up to you, and they be like, oh, babe, that was solid what you do that day. That was cool. And they walk off. How you feel? You always feel, oh, I feel like five cents, my mother sick. You feel dead good because why? Because they encourage you. And because of that, how do you feel towards them now? Be like, oh, you must be cool for real. I must need to go talk to them. We can be boys, but we can go play 2K together, but it's going to be off the chains. Right? All right? That's why, and see, that's why encouragement is such an important tool when it comes to bringing peace. Because it's that simple, nice word, that simple, uplifting thing. All right, that simple uplifting word, that simple encouraging thing can be the difference between somebody you think hate you and y'all be best of friends, all right? And so all these things are important when it comes to having peace within us because once that person does that nice word, give that nice word to you and you or you give a nice word to them, you don't feel like there's a conflict between you. And so that inside you, you feel like, oh, we're actually cool. And so that gives you the peace with inside you, and then you can use that peace with inside you to affect others and affect everybody outside. So if everybody, if everybody thinks that that person hated you, and you all start talking, and you all stay close, they'd be like, oh, that's sort of it. I thought they did hate each other. But they really did work that out. I must need to do the same thing, because we's all boys, right? All girls. Y'all call, say girls or y'all say girlfriends? What y'all just say, buddy? Y'all just say friends? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> kind of cool, I guess. So yeah, he's friends. All right. <laughs> All right. And so that is why encouragement is so important in this whole grand scheme of things. All right? Do you remember the previous lesson when we were talking about the master belayer? That's the person at the bottom of the mountain who is doing what? Somebody can tell me. He leading the rope. And what else he doing? Say what? Yeah, and what else? He's also doing something besides just pulling you up the mountain. He's motivating you. He's pushing you and say, bae, you could do this, bae. Let's go. Climb this mountain. You can make it, bae. All right? And that's where it's supposed to be. The belayer, 
shouts out encouraging words to the climber to motivate him to push him through the difficult areas. That guy is climbing that mountain, and he know that bad spot coming out, that shaky spot. You tell him, wait, watch out for that. You could do it. Just go around the side and go climb that. And you could do it straight. And then with the burst of death, okay, believe me, I could do this. And he got me. And he climbed up the mountain, and he make it. All right? The truth of encouraging others to live at... It is the truth of encouraging others to live at peace. All right? And so... Being a peacemaker requires something different, all right? Not everyone is comfortable with making peace, like we were talking about. People have problems, all right? And some may go out of their, wo- out of their way to avoid making peace, just avoid people altogether. As a believer, the Holy Spirit gives you peace based on the Scripture to exercise and apply it to your life. He wants you to promote peace whenever circumstances around you are not peaceful, all right? That means y'all should be out there in y'all little world circles or whatever. And when y'all see problems, y'all are supposed to be that voice of peace, that I in the storm, all right? Until you arrive in heaven, you will never have a perfect world. You will have, never have a perfect utopian world, all right? That's just not reality. If every believer exemplified the peace that is given to them by the Holy Spirit, the world we would live in would be much more peaceful. So what are you doing to make peace in your world? Whether it's at home, with the family, or at school, if you're arguing with your friends or teacher or whatever, or you can't get along with your teammates in basketball or soccer or softball or any of those sports, all right? The peace that lives in you also needs to be shared with others, all right? And so all that being said, that is why... Peace is important to us as Christians. We're supposed to be the light, the salt, and the light of the earth. We're supposed to be making a difference in the entire world. And that's how we do that. We make peace around others. But not just to say, oh, we make peace. Because a lot of a nice, a lot of people can show peace. Like Oprah, she didn't begin to be saved. And she is saving people in Africa and doing all that stuff. You don't have to do all of that. But it's just simply saying that we're supposed to do this why? Because of our love for God. And how can we do this? Despite all the garbage that's going around all around us, we're supposed to do this because we have the peace that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. All right? The Holy Spirit is there feeding us that peace and giving us that peace of mind that we can show to others. And so you could be like that same little boy. Everybody dying. Everybody like, well, man, I could die. But you go up there and you'd be like, you ain't gonna sing that song exactly. But you would say something like, Jesus loves me, this I know. Alright? For the Bible tells me so, alright? Not exactly like that, but you get the idea. But basically, you can be that voice of peace. You can show peace to others. You can help them with their difficulties. You can help them with their problems. Why? Because you have the ultimate source of peace living inside of you. So, that being said, silence the violence. Increase the peace and peace in the Middle East. All right. 